Moncrief with Energlaze on News Talk. As you know, queues formed outside Bank of Ireland ATMs last night when it seemed like the bank was giving away free money. Which, by the way, it wasn't. But it was just one example of those rather odd news stories that pop up in Ireland every now and again. Carl Kinsella, in his, po- in his column, Surreeling in the Years, keeps track of this kind of thing and joins us now. Afternoon, Carl. Hi, Sean. How are you getting on? Not too bad. Were you queuing up last night at an ATM? No, unfortunately, I'm an AIB customer, so oh. no, no, uh, no free money for me. <laughs> but maybe, maybe they'll, maybe they might send me some money now after name dropping them on the show. They should really for parity yeah. of esteem or something like that. Absolutely, but, yeah. yeah. But but it was kind of amazing. People thought they would get free money. The bank would yeah. probably notice. That's I'm I'm kind of on the fence as to whether anyone truly believed they were getting free money because ultimately I don't think you can rob your own bank using the method of your own debit card because there's quite a clear paper trail. So I think that, you know, like, I think people just like to be part of the moment. So I think I can easily see how if you're online and you see an update that's like, oh, you can go and get a thousand euro sort of free of charge on ATM or like add a thousand euro to your Revolut. I feel like you might do it simply just to be a part of something. But I think, you know, ultimately yeah. these people probably know they're going to be paying the money back. Yeah, no. And, and as people know, there were guards uh, at some of the ATMs. Now, it wasn't immediately clear whether the guards were kind of marshalling people there or whether the guards were actually queuing up themselves. God knows they could probably do with the money, uh, it should be said. Now, uh, more interestingly, though, in 2015, now uh, Ireland legalised drugs for, was it like for a weekend or something, Carl? I, I'm not sure if it even was a weekend. It was certainly at least one night, but I think that they... And they what a night down. that was, Carl. I know, right? I was, I, you know, I'm, I, I won't go into any details <laughs> of my own actions. But no, so that was a really interesting one because there was a court of appeals case and it was found that our laws against, uh, our laws against magic mushrooms, ecstasy and ketamine were all unconstitutional. So it's it's interesting because this was reported in the international media as Ireland having legalized these drugs by accident or inadvertently. And a lot of people still think about it that way, that this is something we did as an accident. But in actual fact, Judge Jared Hogan, like he knew exactly what he was doing. He, he was very well briefed on the law and the constitution. And he knew that by striking out this particular uh, law, that these things would become legal immediately. And it was done because it wasn't in line with the Constitution. So the Irish government had to spring into action and make a new law, which they implemented, as you say, I think within 48 hours. So I think, you know, the streets, you know, ran red with ecstasy and ketamine for for at least one night. But then yeah. then we were done. It was a week before, week before Paddy's Day as well. So, you know, they got the timing slightly wrong. Yeah. Now, can you remember what the circumstances of the original case was? Was there somebody with a bag of ketamine who who wanted to be able to legally bring it into the, Brown Thomas with them? No, it was nothing like that. The circumstances of the case was it was an appeal lodged against someone who had had some kind of drug conviction. And the law on our books was, was very, very vague. It was from 1977. It was originally brought in to deal with like alcohol and cigarettes. And it was just to do with things that are harmful to the body, which is a very vague definition of a thing. And this was believed to sort of cover things like magic mushrooms. But unfortunately, because these things have very, like various other, you know, properties like ketamine can be used as a painkiller or a tranquilizer. It meant that these things were, you know, very poorly defined. We needed a better def- definition in law. So that's why this happened. Right. OK. Now, people will probably will remember this, the, the opening of the, of the Krispy Kreme 
uh, in 2018. It was a really bizarre thing because you wouldn't have thought it was that popular. It was like, you know, there hadn't been donuts in this country before. That was one of my, that's one of my favorite stories that I've ever had to cover as a journalist. And it sort of like sums up how in the weekly column that I do that you're just never stuck for material because even if the doll is in recess or even if it seems like nothing is happening, there's always some like ludicrous going on or another. And like in 2018, obviously, like you say, there was the Krispy Kreme opening. It was our first ever Krispy Kreme, or I think maybe we had had one in like the 90s or something. It was like a kiosk in the north side of Dublin. But so it was our first ever Krispy Kreme and it was meant to be 24 hours, a 24-hour drive-through. And for whatever reason, we just collectively couldn't handle that idea that we could just sort of efficiently get the donuts and leave. So instead, what we had was like hours long of, you know, a convoy of cars queuing up for three or four hours at three o'clock in the morning, all honking their horns, demanding donuts, which is, you know, that's never happened in the US. Like the US has had Krispy Kreme since 1936 or whatever. They've never had to deal with that. So I just think there's some kind of, there's something in the Irish mentality that when we're offered something new and something delicious, much like, you know, the sort of uh, quote unquote free thousand euro yesterday, people just kind of like jump at the chance to be a part of this thing and to indulge themselves in this like fun, you know, often very stupid uh, exercise. Yeah, and were the queues always at night? Because my my memory of it was ever like they were around the clock. There was queues there. It was yeah. I mean, it was around the clock. I think the issue sort of came because it was at nighttime and just the residents of Blanchardstown weren't able to sleep because you had these like trucks honking, <laughs> trucks honking on their sugar. horns. Yeah, exactly. Well, no, it wasn't. It was like trucks honking their horns, like demanding donuts all night long. So I think, and that's why like Krispy Kreme within 72 hours had to reverse their policy in terms of the 24 hours because they just underestimated us so much. Like they clearly thought that we would just behave as a normal country might and sort of get the donuts in a timely and orderly fashion. But no, we showed them. Yeah. Is that that place still there, I wonder? Oh, it's still there. It does huge business, I believe. I think it's, it's like, it's one of the most profitable Krispy Kreme locations in the world. That's mad, isn't it? it it's, it's mad given that like, it's not as if it was like new donut technology. You know what I mean? Like yeah. we, we've had donuts for many as a decade now. Um, but I mean, Krispy Kreme, again, I'm going to get another plug in here. They do good donuts if they want to send me donuts. That's totally, that's totally okay. fine. Yeah. So, uh, but no massive queues there anymore. People in their no, I, I've definitely, I've definitely been out there since, and and it's just, it's sort of, it's it's regular. And there's also there's a big Krispy Kreme shop in the middle of like where the central bank used to be. So I think the the demand has now been like spread over a wider area. Our bodies have equalized uh, to all maybe so. The yeah, massive yeah, intake, just, intake of sugar. Now people will remember that. the uh, uh, the big snow, uh, and somebody took it on themselves to attack a Lidl with a JCB. Yeah, again, like this is what I mean about the Irish sort of psyche in terms of how we adapt to new and extreme conditions, or even not that extreme conditions. Because I think if you remember that snowstorm early 2018, I think it, it snowed for like two or three days. The snow was thick, but it wasn't so thick as we sort of reacted to it. I remember the shops like ran out of bread as if we couldn't, like, I mean, a lo- like a loaf of bread should last you for three days. Yeah, you know, you don't yeah. need to, you don't need to stock up on bread. But I mean, yeah, obviously the most extreme course of action was the guys who like hijacked the, the, the JCB and drove it into a Lidl in Fortunestown, which is just one of my favorite, like the, the still images from that night are just so cinematic and, and beautiful in a way, just to see the, the JCB 
tear the roof off that Lidl. Uh, but, I, I, is that Lidl still? I think they, it took some time to rebuild it. I think it took a long time to rebuild it. It's, it's, it is back open now, but I think it was out of action for about two or three years, which is obviously not great for the people who were working in the Lidl. Well, I think they no. got, you know, reallocated to other spots. But like, yeah, again, just a truly uh, absurd, surreal moment in modern Irish history that really had you know, really very little basis in, as I say, like it wasn't a, a truly extreme weather event. It was just, it was just some snow. But the people who, I don't know if they ever caught the people, were they just trying to get a sliced pan or, or they just did it because they were bored? I think there wasn't a huge degree of, of like clear motivation behind this move. You know, I don't think it was about, I don't think it was about looting. I think it was more about the excitement of it's snowing and somebody appears to have left a key in the JCB and... <laughs> There's 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 an opportunity here to make history. Yeah, um, yeah. I think a few of those people they definitely they appeared before the courts, but I I know I don't know anything else about it. So uh, I won't, yeah, uh, I won't, won't comment. Odd kind of an ambition to have, uh, uh, nonetheless. This is what I've always dreamed of doing. Now the Lewis is free campaign. And just to point out, just like the Bank of Ireland, the Lewis isn't free. Uh, uh, but is that because of you? Yeah, that was my fault. Um, that was a thing that I did on Twitter where I suggested that everybody should simply pretend that the Lewis is free until they make it free. And I thought, like, I made some pretty good inroads. Like, there was definitely a lot of people that weekend who seemed to be coming around to the idea that the Lewis is free. But unfortunately, or I mean, fortunately, I guess, depending on how you look at these things, um, Transport Infrastructure Ireland and the National Transport Authority, they weren't particularly happy about the campaign. And, uh, you know, they re- I mean, weird move that they reported it to the Guardi fraud division. Uh, but Ooh. thankfully, thank- yeah, it was it was odd. Thankfully, the Guardi did not choose to uh, <laughs> to like uh, to action that complaint at all. So I'm still a free man. But that was like it was just a funny thing. It was just meant to be a joke that like trying to get it going that the Lewis is free. Obviously, I do think, you know, while I'm here, I, I can make the point that like I think it's good to have accessible uh, public transport costs they mm-hmm. should come down that'd be great but uh it was just a it was quite tongue-in-cheek a little kind of disinformation campaign that caught on i couldn't believe how well it did catch on but uh yeah again another very funny moment and a good testament to how irish people will when they when they see something fun they will keep it going in a very in a very fulsome way did the guards interview you carl at all god no god no i was terrified i was so i'm a, I'm a very anxious person by nature so i was very worried that there would be some kind of uh, some kind of backlash. I was very worried that someone would get caught having not paid for the Lewis, and then they would sue me for having put the bad information out there. But <laughs> thankfully, thankfully, none of that ever came to pass. And uh, you know, I think eventually it was taken in the spirit that it was that it was meant. I think the Lewis did. They they put together a few campaigns to try and convince more people to pay. But I mean, sure look. Yeah, good luck with that. Uh, uh, anyway, I don't think <laughs> yeah. I don't think Carl Kinsella told me to do it as a legal defence uh, in any court in the land. Uh, Carl, I, thanks, I, William. I, no problem. Yeah, th- thanks, William. There, that's Carl uh, Kinsella there from uh, the Journal, and the name of his column is "Surreeling in the Years." Moncrief weekdays at two p.m. with Energlaze on News Talk.